Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. People ask me all the time, what books do I recommend? I've read a lot over the last 10 years in the health and spiritual realms. And I had this idea actually a long time ago, before I even started this podcast, I wanted to come up with five books that would put someone on the fast track. Combined with this podcast, combined with the inner peace practice that would put someone on the fast track to develop themselves spiritually, to advance themselves. Welcome to episode number 40. Today, I am prepared to give you a curriculum that I feel would have helped me back in my journey, not just 10 or 12 years ago, but even back to when I was 18 years old and I was confused and I denounced my religion and I, I, I denounced God in a way. I became agnostic. I said, well, I only believe what I see and I subscribe to, you know, conspiracy theories and stuff of that nature. I was lost. I didn't understand the great mystical masters and saints and sages and gurus. I didn't know. But if someone had come to me and said, hey, young man, (laughs) read these five books and you'll be on your way. I would have been thrilled. I would have read them. I was open-minded. It's just nobody was there to guide me. So this list of five books has been on my mind for a while, and I made the list by putting myself into your shoes. Creating a curriculum if you will, that these are the five books that are going to make you understand what this spiritual thing is about. To make you understand why we should discipline ourselves so that we can develop. Otherwise, why would anyone want to do the inner peace practice that I developed for you? which is episodes 1 through 12. Why would anyone want to change their lifestyle or go to a Zen monastery or go to Tibet, go to the Himalayas? Why would anyone want to do any of this? Well, these five books will let you know why. It'll give you a foundation to realize your innermost potential. Hmm. 
And there's also a documentary. So it's five books, a documentary, and of course this inner peace practice, this podcast. That's the foundation, okay? I have five other books too. You could call it the second level. <laughs> but after some contemplation, I decided to not give you those five books. Just the first five books. I don't want anyone going ahead. So let's just stick to these five. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. <laughs> I have them in a specific order as well to create very much a curriculum for you. I also want to say that three of the five are ancient. You know, I said on the episode where I had Cody Ann Smith on there, she likes the new the new stuff. I like the ancient stuff. I like to go right to the sources. Yeah, technology's changed around us, but our innermost core is the same. Our bodies are the same. Our minds are the same. So the potential is the same, and I would rather go to the enlightened mystics of the past. So let's begin. Book number one is The Art of Living and Dying by Osho. There's 700 or more Osho books published. So how do I pick one? <laughs> First of all, if you're not familiar with Osho, he is the modern-day world teacher. He's a modern master who hit his popularity in the 70s and 80s. Nobody has come as close to Gautama the Buddha himself than Osho as far as a body of work. So I knew Osho needed to be on this list, but it was like, well, what book? And this book was the one. Why? As I've mentioned to you many times on these podcasts, death is the most important event of your life. You have to understand it. You have to accept it. And you have to be ready for it. And this book gets you ready to die. And in doing so, it gets you ready to live. It's a very beautiful paradox. It's a great book. If somebody said, what's one book? Give me one book. This is probably the one book I would advise somebody to have. Because it's got a little bit of everything. And it uses your death as a device to wake up. To die consciously. So you're not passing away in fear. If you pass away in fear and greed and anger, you're going to miss the opportunity. There's a great opportunity. There's a door or a window right there. And if you aren't able to become a self 
realized, enlightened human being in your life, death will give you that opportunity right then and there. And what happens after you leave the body? It depends on your preparedness. Do you get it? This book will explain all of that. It'll make you understand karma. It'll make you understand the death process. Most importantly, it'll make you understand how we're supposed to live and what steps we can take. He even gives meditations. These meditations will help you realize that you are not the body and you are not your thoughts and you are not your emotions. You are something else. You are formless. You are deathless. You are immortal. These meditations will help you. He gives five to ten. He also gives instructions on how to handle pain. Osho was notorious for handling pain because his body was very delicate. If you're not familiar with Osho's style, you are going to come across tons of stories, ancient and new, some jokes. You know, he likes to edutain he also does a lot of Q&A. It's important to understand that from about the early 70s on, he operated out of an ashram. So he had disciples and students all around him, and he would do these discourses, which gave an opportunity for people to ask questions. So in this book, there are big-time questions like, you know, my mom is dying, I don't know how to handle it. Or, um, I've been diagnosed with cancer and they say I have two years left to live. Or, I'm just so scared of dying, what do I do? So these really important questions are answered from an enlightened mystic master. Who better than answer it, right? So this is an overall book. Lots of references to Gautama the Buddha. Why? Well, Osho was of the opinion, as are most spiritual people, including myself, that Gautama the Buddha was the greatest master to ever walk earth. He had the largest body of work, 42 years, I believe. There's been so many writings and teachings from the Buddha himself. He had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of disciples and monks. He was the most famous man in India for those 40-something years. And then later his teachings spread to China and Japan. Of course, Jesus the Christ came about 500 years after Gautama the Buddha and he ended up becoming more popular because he died dramatically. He became a martyr 
and then you know two three hundred years later the Roman Empire hijacked the teachings and created a, a church with a figurehead who they call the Pope and Christianity spread like wildfire and it was implemented by the Roman Empire who were the leaders of the world and that's why Christianity is the biggest world religion now in 2019 going on 2020 there's no big time drama with Gautama the Buddha <laughs> he passed away as an 80 year old old man he was very enlightened there were levels to enlightenment and Gautama the Buddha was at that highest level And Osho recognized that as an enlightened mystic himself. He recognized that. So he references Gautama the Buddha a lot and then provides commentary on the Buddha's teachings and blueprint, breaking it down, making it easier to understand. But Osho also references Jesus the Christ and Lao Tzu and Socrates and... The list goes on and on. Even Sigmund Freud. He pulls from everyone. That's why he's considered by many to be a world teacher. Even though he's not really a teacher, he's providing commentary. He's sharing what he knows from his experience. Buddha said this 2,600 years ago, and I'm telling you it's true and this is why. Things like that. So it's a great book to start with. Great manual. It's a manual. So hit Amazon and get that book. Number two. Man's Higher Consciousness by Hilton Hotima. You may have heard me mention this book before on other recordings. Hilton Hotima was a health author, but he was also a mystic, an enlightened mystic. You might be surprised. You're going to read this book and 30 pages in, you're going to be like, Kevin, what are you talking about? This is a health book. As the new generation would say, wait for it. <laughs> Yes, yes, there's going to be health information on how to heal the body. But at the end of the day, this is a spiritual book. Hotima breaks down the science of the body from matter to cells to atoms to molecules to electrons. Then he relates that to the science of the physical plane that we live on. The air, the sun, the water. This book is very important. He references other people, similar to how Osho does. But Hotima references the Bible a lot. In fact, if you have a Bible, I would recommend you have one next to you when you're reading man's higher consciousness. So when he references that Bible, go to the verse. He gives you the verse. 
Go to the verse and read the whole thing. Get some context to what he's saying. He also references ancient Indian yogis, masters. And he shows you proof of people who have lived to 200 years old in modern times in the last few hundred years. He also references scientists, other people that you can look up if you wish. This book is informational to the 10th degree. And it will give you an understanding of how the human body works as it relates to your food source and your spiritual source. And how we operate on this plane of existence. It's scientific and spiritual. It further defines the fact that you and I and your mom and your neighbor are all electricity. We're all formless and from the same source. And also defining how important fruit is and fresh air and the sun rays. Hotima lays claim to the fact that we were fruitarians before we were ever hunter-gatherers. And before we were fruitarians even, we were breatharians. He shows you in the book that we lived off of the nutrients of the air. Why? Because we're part of source, part of God. He shows you that food came later. And of course, this relates back to the Adam and Eve story of Eve eating the apple, the forbidden fruit, and everything changed after that. But don't let me explain it. He explains it better. This is a must read. The visible versus the invisible is highly highlighted in this great, great book, which was published, I believe, in 1962. Hotima wrote many books, just like Osho. But these two, from Osho and Hilton Hotima, were the ones I went with for your foundational five. They're also the two moderns of the five. Again, Hotima was, you know, this one was 1962. The Art of Living and Dying by Osho was probably mid to late 70s. Osho never wrote anything down. He gave discourses every day, so his disciples transcribed his words and put it into book form, and then they would publish it. The man talked for 30 years straight. So those are your first two books. And they will really define what we're doing here on this plane and what the point is and what our potential is. The third book 
we're going back to Buddhism here. It's the Zen teaching of Bodhidharma. It's a little book. It's only about 150 pages. It'll take you a week to read. Why is it important? Well, first of all, you have to know who Bodhidharma is. I told this story on a past episode. Master Bodhidharma was a very, very high-leveled, enlightened, mystic master, a monk from India, around 500 A.D. It's about 500 years after Christ and about 1,000 years after Gautama the Buddha. And Bodhidharma had reached a high, high level of enlightenment. Some people say a higher level than Gautama himself. There are levels to enlightenment. If you didn't know. Once you become enlightened, that's when the real work begins. It's kind of like in sports. When you win a championship, now you the next year is even harder because you want to stay at the top of the mountain. Enlightenment is similar. Once you enter the stream, there's more further you can develop. And Bodhidharma had developed big time. And he knew how to fight. In fact, you might be surprised to know that Bodhidharma, inventor is the word that comes to mind, but I know that's not the right word. He's the patriarch, maybe is a good word, of Kung Fu as well as Zen. So Bodhidharma was in India. Now, you must understand, Buddhism didn't last in India very long because the Hindus drove it out. They didn't like it because Gautama the Buddha didn't talk of God. He didn't talk of gods, plural, either. He put all that to the side and just focused on helping people develop themselves, saying everything that you need is inside of you and helping people reach the light inside of you and then you develop. The Hindus did not like that in ancient times. So as soon as Buddha died, it didn't last very long. They ended up killing off or chasing off all the Buddhas. Just like the Christians did in the Crusades. Very similar. And so Buddhism spread to China. And China loved it. China accepted it very much so. Because China was earthy. Very earthy. And of course, they were highly influenced by Confucius and Lao Tzu. Both at the same era, same time as Gautama the Buddha. Buddhism took off in China and a lot of the kings and rulers, they made statues and great temples, all which are still there. You can go on a tour and see it. I mean, it's just amazing stuff. And also in places like Burma and Vietnam and Sri Lanka, you know, great temples with gold and diamonds and big statues of Buddha. 
So Bodhidharma went to China and he saw this and he did not like it because he knew that Gautama the Buddha wouldn't like it. The Buddha didn't want any of that. He just wanted to help people become enlightened. He didn't want statues. and He didn't want people worshipping a statue. That's not what it's about. So Bodhidharma was like, oh my gosh. The people of China, they loved him because they looked at him as an extension of the Buddha because they were like, oh my gosh, here's an Indian guy, a great master, a great monk. And Bodhidharma didn't feel like they were ready for the teachings. So we went up above the Shaolin Temple, found a cave, and he faced the wall, and he meditated for nine years straight. No food, no water. His nails grew, his hair grew, everything. Of course, the people in that area of China, uh, around the Shaolin Temple, they were fascinated. They would visit him. And like, oh my gosh, this guy is supernatural, you know? Eventually, the right student appeared, and Bodhidharma sensed it, and he turned around, and he started his ministry. And this ministry became known as Zen. Zen is the simplest teaching of Buddhism. And it has aspects of Taoism as well. So it's Gautama the Buddha meets Lao Tzu. That's Zen. Zen is very simple. There's no worship involved. It's just a practice. It's a lifestyle. There's not much chanting. It's just straight meditation being in the present moment, that's Zen. So Master Bodhidharma went on and he taught the Shaolin Temple Kung Fu and he taught them Zen. And in doing so, he gave sermons, just small, short sermons, three or four, the wake-up sermon, the bloodstream sermon, and that's what this book is. They're his sermons. Now, if you're not familiar with Buddhism, that's okay. The translator, whose name is Red Pine, put an index in the back of the book. So if you're reading a sermon and Bodhidharma says something like the five skandhas, and you're like, well, what the heck are the five skandhas? It's going to have a number next to that. And you can go in the back of the book, find the number, and find the definition of the five skandhas. So it's like the ultimate Buddhism book because it it's so simple, 150 pages, everything is defined, and it is deep. It goes deep into cleansing the mind of the impurities, the three poisons, as he calls it, which are anger, Delusion and greed. Those are the three poisons. And how to purify yourself of that. And get to the illuminous place of enlightenment. So the world becomes known to you. Right? These are all teachings that 
are highlighted in the famous movie, The Matrix. That's all taken from the Maya, the Buddhist teachings, the Hindu teachings, the Eastern philosophy. Again, Gautama the Buddha has a 42-something year career, lots of sutras, and here Bodhidharma breaks it all down in 150 pages. Right? Why read tons and tons and tons of sutras when you can read this book and kind of get it all in a summary form that's still so deep and powerful? I just reread this book just a few days ago. So I wanted to make sure it's on this list. So, well, let me reread it. And of course, it only took me a few days. Just so short and precise, powerful stuff. The karma the illusion of the world, the maya, the enlightenment, the way it works, the way you live your life. Let's move on. The next book, number four, is The Best of Meister Eckhart. This book is very similar to the Zen teaching of Bodhidharma. It's also about 150 pages, and it's also sermons from this great mystical master. Meister Eckhart was a Christian mystic. He lived in the mid to late 1200s and the early 1300s. So this is you know, 700, 800 years after Master Bodhidharma. But he probably didn't know about Master Bodhidharma. He probably didn't know about Zen. There was no internet or phones back then. So here's this guy from Germany who became self-realized. He followed the work of Jesus the Christ in the Bible. Lived under the rule of the Pope. But he became self-realized. So he went out. He started giving sermons and telling people how to become enlightened and what it's like. And of course, this is taken the wrong way back then in medieval times because people have been conditioned to treat Jesus as a superman instead of a master, a guru, a sage, a mystic. And Meister Eckhart is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is the role model. Everything Jesus can do, you can do. And let me show you. God is within all of us. God is a higher power. It's a divine source. God made us in his image. But in physical form is not his image. <laughs> This is another confusion that most Christians have. That's why people think of the guy in the sky with the beard, and that's God. No. God is formless, just like you are formless. Eckhart breaks all this down, including really important stories. Like when Jesus goes into the temple and he gets mad at all the traders in the marketplace. What does that really mean? 
Or how about when Jesus was about 12 years old and his parents lost him? Where did he go? Where did Yeshua go? Right? Because his real name was Yeshua. Where did he go? And they had to retrace themselves to find him. What does that story really mean? And what is really the virgin birth? What does it mean? Hmm. Could it mean enlightenment? Could it mean that we have to have a birth within ourselves? Hmm? He's going to break down parts of the Bible for you, parts of Jesus, the Christ, teachings to you, and explain them, and explain how it's not about external worship, it's not about external belief, it's internal. You have to be still, be calm. And he actually uses the term emptiness, which is interesting because that's a really, really big word and concept used in Buddhism. You have to empty yourself so that God can fill you up, fill you back up. So you have to cleanse, purify, that's why one-third of the inner peace practice that I've developed for you is purification. You have to cleanse yourself, empty yourself, so that God or the Tao or the Source or the Formless Substance or the Christ Consciousness or the Buddhahood or whatever you want to call it fills you back up and then you become one with that universal consciousness and Meister Eckhart breaks this down for you in a time where it's not supposed to be broken down he references the saints as well Saint Augustine Saint Paul these were all enlightened masters the Pope did not like what Meister Eckhart was doing because he was breaking down the illusion of people being external instead of internal. And he ended up on trial. They were going to potentially uh, put him to death. Uh, he was older, so he ended up dying before that happened. But later on, he was exonerated, and now he's considered a Christian treasure. He is also the inspiration for Eckhart Tolle, a modern-day Mystical teacher, guru. He was influenced by Meister Eckhart, so he changed his first name. But it comes from Meister Eckhart. These two books go together so beautifully. That's why I have them back to back. It's so interesting that, you know, the Bodhidharma book and the Meister Eckhart book are teaching the same thing it's just different terms are being used right bodhidharma is talking about buddha and buddhahood and karma and dharma whereas meister eckhart is talking about jesus and god and the saints but they're both saying be still they're both saying you will see a great light it's going to just blow your mind to see the different traditions. 
One's Christianity, one's Buddhism. (laughs) But it's the same teachings with slightly different terminology. And it just shows you how the way is the way. The truth is the truth. Before the word Christianity was even developed, Jesus the Christ called his practice the way. Guess what? So didn't Gautama the Buddha. Guess what? So didn't Lao Tzu. It was always called the way. Book number five, speaking of Lao Tzu, it's the Tao Te Ching. Mm. For those that are not familiar, it is spelled T-A-O-T-E-C-H-I-N-G. In Chinese, T's are pronounced D. So some people, when they write Taoism, they started with a D instead of a T. I couldn't leave it off the list. I just couldn't. It's the most beautiful spiritual book ever written. It's a guide. It's a manual. And like the last two books, it's short and sweet. It's like poetry. If you remember back to the episode I had with Eric Harris, we talked about it because he's a Taoist. Lao Tzu lived during the same time as Gautama the Buddha, but he was in China and Buddha was in India. Probably didn't even know about each other. And Lao Tzu, he didn't like what was happening in the country. So he became sort of like an outcast, a hermit. He had disciples similar to Jesus in the sense he had a small congregation, whereas Gautama the Buddha was massive. Lao Tzu had a small congregation, probably under 100 disciples. I don't know for sure. And before he left, someone asked him, please write down your teachings. And he did. Probably took him a day to write it down because it's so short and sweet. There are 81 verses or chapters. They're all one page each, pretty much. Short, sweet, it's like poetry. And it's a manual. Not only do I recommend you buy this book and read it, but I also recommend you get the audio version so that you can listen to it as close to every day as possible. I remember when I was going through my journey, I would take the audio and I'd go for a walk. And I'd walk through the neighborhoods and look at the trees, look at the grass, while the orators reciting Lao Tzu's words. And it just hit me so profoundly, so powerful, so simple. Lao Tzu was about simplicity. In fact, his teaching can be summed up in three words. Simplicity, patience, and compassion. But he gives a manual on how to become a sage. Allow me to read a verse right now. Verse 16. Attain complete emptiness. Hold fast to stillness. The 10,000 things stir about. I only watch for their going back. Things grow and grow, but each goes back to its root. Going back to the root 
is stillness. This means returning to what is, returning to what is. Means going back to the ordinary, understanding the ordinary, enlightenment. Not understanding the ordinary, blindness. Understanding the ordinary, mind opens. Mind opening leads to compassion. Compassion to nobility. Nobility to heavenliness. Heavenliness to Tao. Tao endures. Your body dies. There is no danger. Mm, come on. <laughs> that. That is as real as it gets. I mean, just that one verse gives you all the knowledge that you could possibly want. That you could possibly need. But there's a reason why the Tao Te Ching is number five on this list. Because it may not make sense to you if it was one or two. So the way I've organized it for you is specific. Number one, Osho is going to give you the foundational, the everything. Using death as a device and bringing it back to waking yourself up and living in a certain way. To understanding karma and dharma, etc. And then Hilton Hotima is going to break down the science of it all. The food, the air, the water, your body, the formless, the formed. And then the Zen teaching of Bodhidharma and the best of Meister Eckhart. I almost look at that almost as one book. Just one Buddhist and one Christian. And then that's going to just boom. Take it to the next level. You're going to get a piece of Gautama the Buddha and a piece of Jesus the Christ. And then bang. We end it with Lao Tzu. The simplest book of them all. The most beautiful book of them all. But yet the one you need the other four books. First. And if you notice, these five books are really based around the three, what I call the three great masters. Gautama the Buddha, Lao Tzu, and Jesus the Christ. These are the three great masters of the history of this world. There's been others, of course. Zarathustra, Mohammed, Moses, of course. But there's something about Lao Tzu, Buddha, and Christ. They laid out the truth like none other. And three great religions were started from it. And you're going to get a big piece of that off of these five books. I mentioned the documentary earlier. The documentary goes with this beautifully. It's called Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds. It's free on YouTube. And you can also find it on Amazon Prime, last I checked. Big part of my journey was this documentary. In fact, after I watched it, I never watched it again. I only listened to it. I ripped the audio and it became part of my rotation of things I would listen to. Because it's very meditative. The music is meditative. The narrator has a meditative voice. 
And I would just listen and listen and listen and listen. And this documentary, read the five books first and then watch the documentary. And you'll see. You'll see what I mean. This is going to fast track you. Do some of the meditations that Osho gives in the book, the first book. Read all five books. Watch the documentary. Listen to this podcast. And do your best to change your lifestyle with the inner peace practice. Purification, meditation, and love. That's the triangle. And each section has three C's. And I did that so that you can remember the C's. So if you go back, episode one through episode 12 of this podcast, you can get that inner peace practice and you can start making changes in your life. But these five books and this one documentary will give you the reason why. Why are you going to put this time into changing your lifestyle? This is why. Because you you haven't reached your potential. And your potential has nothing to do with gaining money or nice cars or having a great marriage, having a nice career. No, I'm talking inner potential. When Neo finally sees green. (laughs) If you want, add the matrix to this list. You'll see what I'm talking about. They took it all from this. Eastern philosophies, it's all there. You're living in a dream world, Neo. You think that's air you're breathing? So a quick recap in order. Number one, The Art of Living and Dying by Osho. Number two, Man's Higher Consciousness by Hilton Hotima. Number three, The Zen Teaching of Bodhidharma, translated by Red Pine. Number four, The Best of Meister Eckhart. Edited by Halkan Backhouse. And number five, The Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. And then the documentary is Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds, free on YouTube. So I hope this has been very valuable to you. I'm so happy that I'm able to give you these five books in this documentary here on episode number 40 of the Peace Pod. I don't know how many more episodes there are going to be because I'm starting to feel like the body of work is coming to a close. And I don't want to keep going and going and going and going and going. I wanted to make something for you to listen to, to get something out of and be done like a book. Hmm. Like I said before, there's another level. There's another five books. But I don't want to give that to you. Just stick with these five in the documentary. And if you want to add the matrix to kind of tie it together, just do that. Think of it like a curriculum. Listen to this podcast over and over, especially 1 through 12. Implement the lifestyle changes and get it done. Don't worry about the next five. Maybe if you come to me and you're sincere and I can tell that you're advancing, I'll give it to you. But for now, just stay with this. Do what you're supposed to do. Develop yourself. This is the point of you being in this mystery school called existence or life. We all have an inner potential. 
You just have to realize it. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.